All right. How are you doing, community of faith? Those of you at home, I think I heard them. Yeah. I'm so glad that you're here. What a, an amazing series we're in. I want to encourage you, if you haven't yet gotten into a small group, we're going in-depth. So what we've been talking about on the weekend, they're going in-depth and helping you put together how to find real success. And I'm going to give you a tool this morning that's really, really helpful, but it'll really go into depth in the small group this week, so it's not too late to still get in. You can sign up in the lobby, or you can go on our website and find a small group near you. What I'm talking about today, if it's your first time, might not make total sense to you without the last couple of weeks. And so let me do a, a short summary of what's gone on so far as we're trying to understand how to have true, real success. Your idea of what it means to be successful is important, even if you don't realize it, because it's what gives direction to your life. That's what we talked about. God has a path for you. He said that he has good works for you to do that he created before you were even born. He has a path for you to follow. And I want you to discover what that is because as you step into that, that's when you're gonna have real success. That was week one. And then last week, Marco talked about one of the clues, one of the ways that you can figure out a little bit of what that looks like for you is by how God made you. He created you so that you could walk in that path and you're unique. You're the only one that can do it. He made you one and only you so that you could follow your path. You don't follow someone else's path. You follow the path that he has uniquely for you. And don't compare yourself to anybody else because he made you. Some of you, I talked about in that first week how you were wondering, why did God give me those parents, you know? They just weren't that great of parents, maybe. But he wanted you, uniquely you. And he need, needed 23 chromosomes from your mom, 23 chromosomes from your dad, to put the genetic material together that is uniquely you. And he wanted you to exist. He wanted you to be here. And then he wants you to be a part of his forever family. That's super exciting to me that God would care that much about us. So you see, that's what we've talked about so far. But today I wanna give you a really helpful tool that you can use to determine not only your life mission, but also to measure everything that you do against this tool, and it's gonna help you to have real success. I'm talking about a personal life mission statement. Now, only a very small percentage of people have a personal life mission statement, but it makes all the difference because it keeps you on track. So let's talk a little bit about that. How would you describe your life if you were gonna describe it in one word? Would you say busy? Or would you say stressed? Would you say weary? Maybe you'd say fun, I don't know. But if we look at Jesus' life, if you wanted to see what his one word was, it would be focused. He was very focused. In fact, it's interesting because he was so focused that he didn't do a lot of things that I would have thought the Son of God would do when he came down. 
I mean, why didn't he take over and be the Caesar in Rome or be the king of the world and set everything right, you know, back the way it needed to be? But he had a purpose in mind. He knew what God had given him to do. In fact, let me read you what he said about that. He said, as he came close to the end of his life and he was praying for us down through the centuries, he said about himself, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. I brought glory to you, Father, here on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. He understood that he was on earth to glorify his Father and that he did that by completing the task that God gave him to do. So Jesus is teaching us that we're here first and foremost to give glory to God and he tells us how by carrying out the work God entrusted to us. And I would like for you and I would like for me when we stand before God on that great last day to be able to say, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. So the question then becomes, how can I focus my life like that? And that is by creating a personal life mission statement. So what is a personal life mission? Well, it's the expression of God's purpose in your life. As a result of the things that we've been studying, how God shaped you, what true success looks and feels like for you, the tasks that you've been given in the, in the small group and the, and the different tools to be able to get there, an image begins to emerge of what God wants you to do for his kingdom. And your mission flows so naturally out of your shape, how God formed you, the things that God put into you on purpose, the way he designed and gifted you so that you could make a difference in the world, so that you could fulfill your mission. Number two, a personal mission statement is more than a list of goals. Now, a lot of people confuse their objectives with their personal life mission. What is your purpose? Why are you here? And some people would say, well, to get a PhD or to get that next promotion or to be the CEO of the, of the company or to have a family or, you know, get married. But those are goals and that's not purpose. Goals are important, crucial. But your goals have to arise from your purpose. Otherwise, you might complete all your goals and still come up empty like so many people do in their life. And I don't want you to waste this one and only life that God's given you, come up empty at the end. Number three, a personal mission statement should cover all the different roles in your life. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to have that in the statement per se, but it should cover kind of all of those different areas. Like for me, First of all, I'm a son of God. That's amazing, isn't it? That he would call us into his family and make us a son or a daughter, not even servants. He said, I don't call you servants. I call you friends. I call you sons and daughters. And he wants us to walk with him that way. Maybe you never had a great father growing up, but he is that amazing father. He cares about everything. You can share everything. You can tell him your deepest struggles you know, he already knows them. He already knows that. He knows everything about you. He can see to the very core of you 
and he still loves you. Some of you feel like if other people saw to the very core of me, I don't know if they'd like me very much, but God sees to the very core of you and he still loves you. Now that doesn't mean that he doesn't want you to grow or he doesn't want you to change, but he loves you just as you are. Also, I'm a husband, a husband to Laura, and that's important that I know that role. I'm a father of my kiddos. They're all adults now, but you know what? You never stop being a father, I realize. In fact, sometimes it gets a little more complicated as they get to be adults because they pretty much you know, have a mind of their own and they're going in the direction. And one of the things I've discovered is that one of the most important things I can do for my kids is just keep relationship with them. You know, sometimes our political views and things like that will be like vastly different. And I always tell them, you know, you can be wrong if you want to. That's okay. I'm still going to love you, you know, and, and we're going to walk together. But I'm a father. Also, I'm leader of community of faith. And that's a, a role that I have that I care about you. And I want to see you grow. Also a teacher. It's important that I spend time on, on the messages that I share with you because I want to make sure it's the truth. And I'm not going to water it down. I know that you want the truth. And sometimes it kind of smacks us right between the eyes, but it's still, it's good. It's a good thing. So a tragic mistake that a lot of people make is defining yourself as one of your roles. You know, a lot of times when I ask people, who are you? They'll say, well, I'm a doctor, or I'm a pastor, or I'm a mother of four. But that is a definition that's just a role, one role that you have. And the danger of that is that when that role is gone, it feels like your life is over. You know, that study that they did of people that retired, and so many men especially, they would retire and be dead in six months because they had defined themselves as their career. And when their career was over, they thought it was going to be great. They'd been waiting all this time for retirement, but it felt really empty because they couldn't figure out who they are anymore. Same thing with, a, you know, even moms can do that. You know, I remember when the last child of ours left and I'm going, woohoo, empty nest, right? And Laura's going like, who am I? I've been a mom all this time. And it, it's, it's difficult sometimes to figure that out and to, to realize, no, that's just one of my roles. Roles change, careers change, but your mission does not. And then number four, your mission is going to clarify what success means to you. It's going to clarify what success means to you. It will, if you take the time to put together your life mission statement and write it down, it will be a guide for your everyday life. And I think it'd be a cool idea to every morning when you first wake up to either say or read your life mission. And the thing is, I'm not gonna give you really strict ways how to put it together because I want it to mean something to you. You know, you ever worked at a company and they spend all their time like doing mission statements and all this kind of stuff and nobody really knows what that's all about. You just spend all this, it's like, man, we were just wasting time. Well, I want this to be something 
real for you, something important to you. So it doesn't matter what it looks like to anybody else. I want you to write it down in a way that it's meaningful to you. I don't care if you say, even if the grammar's not correct. It doesn't matter to me. It's for you and you alone. So one of the things that when you read your life mission statement every day, it helps you to say no. Some of you have a lot of trouble saying no. But one of the biggest things that you can do is say no because it's not in my mission. It's not what I'm called to do. That's not part of what I'm called to do. Another thing that we do sometimes is we judge everybody else by what God has put in our heart. We have this thing that we're really passionate about and there's an issue or, or, or something that we're just, oh, this is, it's all about this. And they're just not a very good Christian because they don't really care that much about that. Well, that's because God has put that in your heart, maybe not in their heart. So it's in your heart to do it and be passionate about it. But don't judge anybody else because God has them on their unique path. God says, I'll judge one day. You don't need to be judging. Don't judge before the time. Let me take care of that. So how do I identify my mission? How do I discover my mission? Well, there's a couple of ways that you could do it. The first one is speculation. Speculation, guessing. You know, just trying to come up with it. And unfortunately, that's what most people in America do by default. They don't really think a lot about it. But they're, they've speculated in a sense about what their mission in life is in a way. You define your own purpose. The Bible talks about days like that in the Old Testament. Every time that God was getting ready to judge a nation, especially Israel, it would say, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. I think that could pretty much describe America today, right? You know, it's like, oh, well, that's your truth. That's your thing. That's, you know, and all of us have our own individual ideas about that. But God says, no, there is a, an objective right and wrong. There is an objective true success. And somewhere under that, under my principles, you are going to find your niche in that. So I found that when someone decides their own purpose, they inevitably confuse their career with their purpose. And usually one of two things happens. Either they reach those goals and it comes up empty, which is super sad. You see it all the time in Hollywood. You know, they've dreamed all their life of being a great actor and they finally make it, those few that make it. And it's empty. It's not what they thought. It's not what it was cracked up to be, you know? Or the other thing that can happen is you fail to reach your goals and you feel empty and you wrongly think that the reason you feel empty is because you didn't reach your goals. But most likely, that's not the reason. It's because they were the wrong goals. So speculation isn't a very good way. Here's a better way. Revelation. Revelation. You know what God says? He says, I love to give you wisdom if you just ask me. I'll never say you look stupid or you're an idiot or anything like that. If you just ask me for wisdom, I will give it to you. 
In fact, in Ephesians 5, 17, he says, so do not be foolish, but learn what the Lord wants you to do. So get alone with God and say, God, I need wisdom. I need you to show me my purpose. Instead of trying to guess or pick or choose, get in touch with him. You know, I would like to tell each of you what God's will is for you. But that's not my job. In fact, I don't know what his will is for you. When I'm talking to a prospective staff member, I always say, I really feel like this is a fit for you. I really would like you to be here, but only you can know if you're supposed to be here. I found that if you don't have a really strong life mission and a purpose, somebody else around you is gonna have a really strong life purpose for you. Have you noticed that? And so you start getting caught up in doing what they think is purposeful, but it's not necessarily purposeful for you. So I'm not gonna tell you what your life purpose is, but I can share with you four questions that if you answer these questions, it's gonna take you a long way toward figuring out what your life mission is. So you ready for them? Four questions to help you identify your mission. Number one, what is going to be the center of my life? What is going to be the center of my life? All of us have something that we focus our life around. So this question tries to get you to define what is the most important thing in your life. And this concept is crucial. It affects everything else. Although many things are important to you, one thing is crucial. What is that? What does that look like? Now there are a lot of options. My spouse, or my children, or my work, or my car, or my possessions, or my career, or sports, or pleasure. Now none of these things are wrong, but if any of those things are at the center of your life, you're gonna have problems. The one that is at the center of your life, whatever it is, needs to bring, be a source of security, strength, comfort, identity, and it needs to be something that can never, ever change. Therefore, when people choose their center well, they experience success. They feel a peace, a calm, even in the midst of storm. The problem with wrong centers is twofold. In moments of true darkness, they cannot hold. Also, these things are vulnerable and temporary and they disappear. Even if it's something good, even if it's your spouse, it's not a guarantee that you'll always have your spouse with you. Even if you have a really strong relationship, we all die. There'll be times that we're without our spouse. If our spouse is the center of our life, it, it can't hold. And another thing is, it's a lot of pressure to put on a person to be the center of your life. If it's gonna be the source of your identity, the source of your strength, the source of your encouragement, no human being can really measure up to that. And so they're gonna fail you and it's gonna be a disappointment to you. That was never what, 
God intended marriage to be. He intended marriage to be this thing where we hold hands walking side by side in a great deep friendship with benefits through life. Both of us looking to him to meet our needs, not to each other. No one person can meet your needs. So make sure that it's not something that is temporary and vulnerable and can disappear. The Bible's really clear in telling us what our center should be. We see it in Matthew 22. Jesus is talking. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. He told us these words because he, he loves us. Open your eyes to the fact that the only true source of power, security, the only never changing thing in this ever changing broken world is God. He's always there. He never disappears. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You know, I think it's important to be aware that there are lots of people in America today who call themselves Christians, but their life is not centered on Christ. And it shows in how we spend our time, how we spend our treasure, how we make our decisions. There's always consequences to that. Maybe you're here today and you don't claim to be a, a Christian. You don't consider yourself a Christian. Welcome. We love having you here as you seek after God and discover what it's all about. And we've got a lot of people that have been praying for you to know, to have wisdom, to experience the beauty of what God has for you because he loves you and he wants to pull you. He's been pulling at you all your life. He's been following you all down all the, the trails of your life, wherever they have led, no matter how dark, he's been following hard after you, pulling you to himself. It's not an accident that you're here today. But being a Christian means that you change your center. The most interesting thing is when you put God at the center, you get to know him more. And the more you know him, the more you trust him. And the more you trust him, the better you know yourself. You can even look at yourself more honestly because you feel this unconditional Love. A lot of us grew up in families, it wasn't unconditional love, it was performance-based, right? And some of us have thought that that's what God does, you know? He's putting us on this performance-based thing all the time. He doesn't do that. See, he doesn't need you. He wants you. He doesn't need you, he just loves you. God has messengers of fire that move at the speed of light when he snaps his fingers to do his bidding. He doesn't need us. He's got angels that, if he wanted us to sing a song for him, I mean, their whole body is made for music. Not just lungs and voice, but everything about them. It's gonna be amazing when we get to heaven and see all the different creations that he's put together to praise him. I mean, we're not gonna even believe what, singing praises to him is like in heaven with all of the different creatures around his throne. But he loves you and he wants you to be his son, his daughter, and he wants you in his family and he wants you to find that purpose 
that he created you for because he's got a path for you that only you can walk in this world. And if you don't walk it, it won't be done. No one else can walk the path that he's given you. However big, however small, it doesn't matter. Walk the path. Don't compare yourself to anybody else. And you begin to understand what life is all about, what you're doing here. So that's the first question. What are you gonna put at the center of your life? And hand in hand with that question comes question number two. What will be the character of my life? One of the things about God that I have come to appreciate, but I don't always appreciate, is he's much more interested in our character than our comfort. And sometimes I don't like that very much. You know, I would rather he be interested in my comfort. He allows us to go through periods of time where it's really, really difficult, really dark. And he doesn't bring those times on us. They just come naturally because we live in this broken world. But he will use them to develop character in us. Even it says that Jesus learned character and obedience from the things that he suffered. And so that's how he develops character in us. Most people think the most important thing is what you do. But that's not the most important thing to God. The most important thing to God is who you are. Who you are. Why you do what you do. Because you can do a lot of really good things for a lot of really bad reasons. A lot of people are really moral, but they do it out of fear, or they do it so they can say, I'm better than them, out of pride. Who are you? Who are you when no one is looking? That's character. Character is basically the sum of the values that motivate your actions, create your behavioral habits, and produce the results in your life. It's what we call character. And the basis of character, values. What do we value? You know what we say? We should have values. But when you say, what does that really mean? It's what, what do you value? What do you value? What is important to you? And it's important to understand the difference between values and principles. Values are the things that you consider important, that guide your life, the things that if you achieve that, you're gonna be happy and successful. It's an internal list that helps you make decisions. Principles are natural laws of behavior that govern people's effectiveness. They're the rules of the game. Honesty, humility, integrity, respect. Values are what you consider to be important as your principles. What principles are important to you? That equals success. And the cool thing is that God, to help us, sent us an example to follow Jesus. In fact, he says, my goal is to transform your character to that of Jesus Christ. Listen to Romans 8, 29. For God knew his people in advance. And he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Life is a school for character. It's the only thing that you take with you when you die, your character, who you 
are. Nothing else is gonna go. Not your possessions. I mean, I've never seen, you know, a hearse and it's got a U-Haul on the back taking the stuff with them, you know, that you've gathered through life. It doesn't work that way. All you take when you die is your character. And God allows us to face some of the same things that Jesus faced. Think about it. The Bible says that Jesus felt alone. He was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. He was misunderstood. He was tempted. He was tired. He got frustrated. He felt like giving up, but he never did. The same things happen to us. And God's objective is not to discourage us, but to develop our character. It's interesting how God does this. Not the way we would do it. For example, if God wants you to learn to love, he doesn't necessarily put really lovable people in your life. Some of you, he gave you that family of origin so that you could learn to love because they are not very lovable, right? There's, that's where mother-in-laws come in, right? It's the big test to learn to love. And he says, love your enemies. If he wants you to learn to have joy, he doesn't necessarily put you in perfect circumstances. He says, even in this dark time, enter into the joy of your master. Enter into my joy. I want to give you joy. I want to give you love for the unlovable. I want to give you joy in the midst of difficulties. If he wants to give you peace, he allows the storm. He wants to show you that you can have peace in the storm. If he wants you to learn patience, he puts you in line at Costco at two o'clock on Saturday. That might be a little personal for me, but ask yourself, what characteristics would I like to develop? In what areas will I be different in five years, 10 years, 15 years? What things in my character do I want God to transform? And then what you're gonna do is you're gonna write out the principles that will guide you, that truly matter to you, not just what you think you ought to put down. No one's gonna look, at, it's not for anybody else. So don't put down one, oh, this is gonna sound really good when people hear my life purpose. They're gonna think I'm really cool. It's gotta be real for you. And then the third question is, what will be the contribution of my life? What am I gonna do with the talents that God gave me for his kingdom? We were put here to contribute something, to make a difference. The Bible says we were created to serve others. Matthew 23, 11 says, the greatest among you must be a servant. Jesus himself said, I didn't come to rule this time, but I came to give my life as a ransom for many, to serve you. Did you know that Jesus wants to serve you? Have you let him serve you? He loves to serve you. He's the God of the universe. He's so far above us, but he bends down and gets on his hands and knees. He looks us right in the eye and he says, little girl, little boy, I love you. I'm here with you. Let me serve you. Let me grow you. Let me help you. Walk with me. You have to ask yourself the question, who can I help? And here's the thing, you can't help everybody. You weren't intended to. 
When you look at the life of Jesus, it's amazing to me because he lived in this tiny little area. He never went outside of it. Now, his disciples did eventually. Christianity has moved across the globe. Billions of people worship Jesus. That wasn't his purpose. His purpose was to stay right there, to live that sinless life, to show those principles that God has for us and to die for us, opening the way as we step into that. He took our place on the cross and died for us so that we could come into relationship with Jesus because we could never earn our way ourselves. So he did it. Look at how God made me. Where can I help the most? Identify it. You know, to God, every area is a ministry. And what he created you to do is your ministry. It's not, everybody's not supposed to be a pastor. Everybody's not supposed to be a minister in a church vocationally. But he's made all of us ministers. That's why we always say, basically in church, the staff are the administrators and you are the ministers. Because that's what God made you, to be a minister in this world. You can go home and tell your folks that God made you a minister today. Or tell your family, they won't even believe you, right? Mark said, I'm a minister. He made me a minister today. That's who you are. There are two types of people in this life, those who give and those who take. Listen to what the Bible says, though. Luke 6, 38, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over, poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. The most blessed people are the biggest givers. So this time, this week, Spend a little bit of quality time with God thinking, what do I want my contribution to be? How did God make me? What am I good at? What am I supposed to do? And the last question is, what is the message of my life? And it has a lot to do with your heart. You might have never thought about it. Did you know that God wants to speak to the world through you? The Bible says we're his ambassadors. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5.20. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. God wants us to speak to others for him. Now there's a general message. That's the good news of salvation through Jesus and what he did on the cross. But there's also a particular message and that's gonna be based on your shape, your form, the way that he created you, the things that he made you good at. So how should I prepare to transmit my message? The effectiveness of your message comes when you line up character with the message. It's important. Well, let me just conclude today by giving you a task. Are you ready? A little bit of homework. And if you go in your small group, you're gonna get this and go in depth with it. And that's why I want you to be in those small groups. This is really important for this study especially. So I want you to do this. I want you to answer the four questions that we just went over as deeply as possible. And then I want you to study and meditate on the results and ask God for wisdom to find the life message that you're to show the world. And then in your own way, in your own form, I want you to draft a life mission. And it doesn't have to be perfect. It's gonna be probably changed a lot. You're gonna work with it for a while. 
and get it down. Let me just give you an example. Marco wrote down his life mission. You ready for it? He said his life mission is to teach with love, humor, and courage the wisdom contained in the Bible using my experiences, those of the people around me and those of other books and studies based on the same wisdom to help people know God. Open their eyes to where they are spiritually so that they can discover both the changes they need to allow God to make in their hearts and the purpose he has for their lives. I think he fulfills that pretty good. He said he goes over that every single day to remind himself what his life mission is. Now, for me, I'm more of a missionary than a pastor. Marco's really a pastor. I'm, I'm kind of a missionary. Like I, I, I like to study specific people groups in order to effectively share the good news culturally with them in the most culturally relevant way without any compromise of the message so that people far from God can enter into relationship with him and become fully devoted followers of Jesus. And then I want you to get a life verse. Ask God to give you a life verse. He's done that for me. This is, this is some of my life verses in 1 Timothy 4, 13, 15, and 16. It says this. Until I come, give your attention to the public reading of Scripture, to encouraging and to teaching. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. So I really want to focus down and, and really take pains and really pay attention because not only is God in the process of saving me, he's saving you because I do that. He gave me that promise that he would bring salvation to you if I would do that. Another life verse that he gave me, he said this to me in Isaiah 49. In fact, Isaiah 49 is kind of the chapter that he gave me for my life. But in Isaiah 49, 6, it says, I will make you a light of the nations so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. I'll never forget when in Burundi, we've made such an impact. God has done this amazing thing. It's really changing the face of the country. 300,000 jobs that you, Community of Faith, have created through our bank that we created there. And only you, no one's helping us do that. It's just you. And then with the Batwa people, who only two out of 10 of their kids lived to age five when we first met them, their whole life has been turned around. We're working with about 25,000 of them now and getting ready to work with about 60,000 more that the United Nations has asked us to help with because of the great impact that you've made in the first group of people but we've only lost one child among all of those people in the last nine years that's amazing and there's a lot of little kids we were trying to help them with that we decided we'd put this one lady over helping them with family planning and stuff and then she got pregnant so that didn't work out so well but it's just amazing to see what God has done there and one of the last times that we were there, the Batwa elders, the, the tribal elders, 
they got together and they'd been praying and fasting and thinking for three days. They wanted to give me a new name. That's what they do. Well, they, they look at who you are and then they give you a name. And it was so interesting because out of all the names they could have picked, they said, we want to call you Mucho. In Kurundi, that means light. And I went, oh my gosh, that's my life verse. God knew that. They said, you've been light to us and we want our children to be light to the world like you've been light to us. It's kind of a cool thing how God brings it full circle like that when you really begin to get into it. So what are you gonna do with the rest of your life? 2,000 years ago, a handful of focused men and women, most of them weren't very important, just average people like you and me, they changed the world. Are you ready to get in on the greatest adventure? The one that God said, little son of mine, this is what I created you for. Little daughter of mine, this is how I made you. And here's what I have for you. As we begin to actually focus down and do this, so don't just go out and say, well, that was an interesting sermon. You have homework to do. And get in the small group and even focus down more. You're gonna really see that this week. You can sign up in the lobby for small groups, okay? Can I pray for you? Father, it's been amazing, this series. Learning how you've shaped us, learning what true success really can mean for us. And there's so few Americans, God, right now that are living lives of purpose. But that's what you intended for us, your little sons and daughters, as we step into this relationship with you. It's not about what we can do for you. It's about how you made us and how you want to work through us and how you can bring life change to other people because we're here as we serve the world just as you serve us. So God, let us let you serve us and let us serve the world and let us get in on this purpose as we write our life mission statement this week. I pray that it'll be life-changing. I pray that people who step into this, and I know that it's gonna be a chore, it's gonna be something we have to really work at, but God, as we do this, let us be the most fulfilled, the most purpose-driven, the most satisfied people on the planet so that we can show who you are as we experience true success, real success. Come kingdom of God upon us. Be done will of God over us. Let nothing stop those beautiful plans that you have for us. Fulfill them for each and every one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys.